Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson and Pastor Keith Radke of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith for today's conversation. And welcome back to Shouts of Grace Radio. I'm Pastor Keith Radke here with Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. We've uh, really enjoyed being together for these conversations through God's Word. And today's subject is one I think we can all uh, relate to, and that is what to do when life is unfair. Well, first of all, it's our one-month anniversary. We made it for... (laughs) Four weeks. This is incredible. Uh, Four that's shows. Right. It's a milestone. <laughs> wow. wow. Let's celebrate. Woohoo. That's right. That's uh, right. And on this fourth show, we would like to uh, thank our first, I guess we'd call them sponsor, so to speak, but Key Radio, uh, located in Provo, Utah. They are a Christian radio station broadcasting great worship music, the Word of God. And they've been so gracious to allow us to use their studios right. uh, to meet and to record. So take a look at keyradio.org and see the good work uh, that they're doing uh, here in the community in Utah Valley, especially right here out of Provo. But also they've got a reach uh, in Richfield, Price, Payson, uh, Vernal. So the reach is growing. And anywhere you're listening uh, to this episode, you can go to keyradio.org and see the work that God is doing uh, through Mike and Heather and the rest of the team at Key Radio. And if you have uh, questions for us, you can go to our website, shoutsofgraceradio.com, and you can <clears throat> you can tap into uh, earlier episodes as well as leave your questions um, that we could address on future broadcasts. So we invite you to go to that again, shoutsofgraceradio.com. All right, Pastor Steve, so here's our subject, our question. What are we supposed to do when life is unfair? How do we respond? And, uh, you know, one of the contexts I think of when life is unfair, I think of watching other people suffer. Like, we can talk about our own suffering, and I think we can all relate with that, whether it's being misunderstood, persecution for being a Christian, just physical issues, financial issues, those. But a lot of times we see injustice in our culture. We see injustice in the relationships that we're a part of, and it just seems so unfair, especially when when it, it just seems to go unchecked. Like, like, where's where's the Batman of the situation? You know, where's the superhero? Where, where where's the happy uh, ending? You know, that they lived happily ever after in the story. We we're just not seeing that. We're drawn to the movies and to the stories because they 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 help us to escape from from the realities that life is unfair and sometimes stays unfair. And we watch people suffer, and maybe we even look and say, God, why why do you why do you let this happen? How, how, how do we how do we wrap our minds around that? How do we come to terms with that as followers of Christ? Yeah, well, I, I think one of the things, Keith, is that you know we're we are terrible at judgment. <laughs> we, you know, we when we see injustice in the world, 
we only see it through our eyes. We only see it through our perspective. And we fail to realize that, that there is another perspective and there's even yet a greater perspective than, the, uh, than, than, than that other person's and that's God's. You know, how does God see things? And because of who we are, it, it's really hard for us sometimes to tap into the, the, the gracious way that God sees situations, the merciful way and how he wants to extend grace and mercy in order to draw people in. And so I'd say the first thing is, is you know, we always need to be careful. We can certainly recognize injustice, but when it comes to us, you know, coming to this place where why isn't anything being done, that's the where we got to kind of be careful. We, we can point it out, but then we got to kind of take a back seat a little bit and, and, and be very cautious in how we proceed with that because we might be intruding upon the sovereignty of God and what God is doing. And so we, I, th- I think we have to filter everything through that. But, but one of the things, you know, I, I'm thinking of 1 Peter <clears throat> uh, chapter 2, um, verse 19. It says, For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if... When you sin, you are beaten um, and you endure. But if you who do good, if you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And so I, I think what he's saying there is, listen, when you do bad, when you do something lame <laughs> and, and you suffer for it, you're not being persecuted. You know, when you, oh, I'm enduring. No, you're enduring foolishness and you're just receiving the, the, you know, the byproduct of your foolishness. But what God is saying is a gracious thing, Keith, is when we suffer well, when something is done to us and we didn't, um, and, and, I, and I use this term very cautiously, we didn't deserve it or something was done in an unjust manner and we suffer well for that, then that's a gracious thing. And, and, and I think the question would be, what does it mean to suffer well? What, what, what does it mean um, you know, to, to, to take that um, and, and, and do well with it? And what does it mean to put the label that suffering is actually a gracious thing? Hmm. Like I, I mean, I'm just personally just right now, right here on the radio in front of this microphone, it's a gracious thing to endure sorrow while suffering hmm. unjustly. It's a gracious thing in the sight of God. You mean God sees this differently than I do? Hmm. You mean God has a different perspective than I do? I mean, is it cliche to say that God has a plan, or is it true? God has a plan for what's taking place here. What is God's purpose? And that's, that is the ultimate question that Peter is challenging the believer. Like, here's what you're supposed to see. You're supposed to see hmm. that God's working something. It's actually a gracious thing. Why yeah. is it a gracious thing? I'll tell you what. That's a great question because let's let's choose the most obvious uh, example of suffering in Scripture uh, that that just seems to be unfair, and that of course is Job. Right? Tell tell us how in the world could Job's suffering be an act of grace? And hmm. and I'll tell you. Here's here's one way of looking at it. Every person who has faith in God has a desire to get closer to God. Every person who has faith in God has a desire to to be brought to the most intimate uh, interaction with the maker of the universe, right? That's, that's just in us, and we desire us. We, we desire it. That's why when we have those, those special worship times and we just connect in a special way, it's just like, oh, God, let me stay here. So that's in us. We want to commune with God. But here's the problem. We don't always like the means that it takes to get us there, right? And the reality is when we are broken on our face, needing to trust and have reliance in God, it it, it brings us 
um, it brings us to, to this place where we're broken personally and closer to God, but it, it brings us to a, an area we would have never chose for ourselves, Keith. Mm. We wouldn't have chosen. So you think of Job. Where's the grace in Job? He, here's the grace. When you get to the end of the book of Job, Job says to God, after all that's been done, now I see. Now, he says, you know, now I get it. I had heard of you, but now I see. Now I know, right? And, and the grace is all that God allowed to have to Job, that, 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 that God allowed to happen to Job, brought Job to a place of surrender that Job wanted but could have never brought upon himself. Wow. Well, that's tremendous. James would write in chapter 5, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. Hmm. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And you wonder, James, did you really read Job? I mean, (laughs) did you really read what Job went through? And yet, it was his steadfastness that is being mm. commended, and the purpose of the Lord was to demonstrate compassion and mercy hmm. in the middle of suffering. Hmm. That hmm. It, it it defies it defies logic, but again, we're we're brought to that place that God is wanting to do something in us. That's he right. wants to transform us. He wants us to be more like Christ, and the only way. Is, and you said it, you just said it, you nailed it. Like, the only way I'm going to get there is not by my own choice, but by God's working. If he graciously takes me there. If exactly. he graciously, and that's what Peter's saying. Paul is calling it gracious. That's right. It's that's a gracious right. thing to suffer. Why? Because the transformation takes place. That's right. Think of it this way. You know, when, when, you, when you look at how metal is refined, how, how is it refined? It's heated up, right? All of the impurities come to the top. They take the impurities off. They heat it up again. They take the impurities off until ultimately what you have is you have a pure metal. And it's interesting because I believe it was Peter that referred to our faith as being much more precious than that of gold or silver. Mm-hmm. And so faith is refined the same way. God heats us up, scoops off the dross. God heats us up, he scoops off the dross. And when he ultimately glorifies us, we will have a pure faith before God. And it will have come through these through these hardships and trials. And he's trying to teach us during these times, how do I suffer well with that? But I think, Keith, what, what I would ask is, you know, it's it's it's... It's a difficult thing when it's happening to you, right? Yes. When, when when you see it on others, you, 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 oh Lord, I just pray for them. It's a hard thing. But what happens when when the, when the gun's aimed at you? Well, mm-hmm. What happens when the injustice is coming to you? You know, um, how do you respond in a way that honors God? Because one of the things that, that that I've had a difficult time with is is how do I know when it's time, God, to stand up for what right. is You're right? You're listening to Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson and Keith Radke at Shouts of Grace Radio. We're thankful. Thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah on the airways with good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Key Radio can be found online at keyradio.org, and your support of Key Radio makes programs like Shouts of Grace Radio possible. Now, let's join Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith for the conclusion of today's conversation. Well, there's a couple of different examples uh, in the scripture of how to respond. Actually, in this passage, Peter gives an example of Jesus, and maybe we get to, uh, to close with that. But I think of David, because David endured a lot, you mm-hmm. know, in his life. And, I mean, you can look at Joseph, you can see examples there. Uh, you can look at Daniel and, uh, and others. But David stands out to me because he wrote a lot about it. 
He wrote mm-hmm. a lot about suffering at the hands of Saul, suffering misunderstandings um, and, and, and betrayals from friends and family. Um, in Psalm 119.78, he says, Let the insolent be put to shame, because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. So one way that David deals with the injustice that he suffers is he goes to the Lord, he brings the matter to the Lord, and he says, God, deal with it. Let the insolent be put to shame because they wronged me with falsehood. Mm. As for me, help me to stay focused on your word. I will meditate mm. on your precepts. And that's, that's one way David dealt with it. Mm. Another way that David dealt with it is he said, smash their cheeks in. <laughs> Break their yeah. teeth, Lord. You know, yeah, yeah. give me the club of justice so I can swing them. You know, swing it to the to the but back you, side of their head. But you, you know, bring so- up a good point though, because you bring up David, right? And and oh, that's a fantastic point because there were two specific times that David could have could have ended Saul's life, right? Mm-hmm. He he could have took the matters into his own hands, right? Keith, why didn't he? I mean, the the man was being chased all all over the Negev. He was he was being chased all over the 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 hillside. Why didn't David take the chance, take the opportunity in the cave and take him out? Why didn't he when he when he went and grabbed the sword while he was while Saul was sleeping? Why didn't he just just end end his problems and end his trials? At some point, David settled this issue in his heart that God had made Saul the king. And God had also anointed David through Samuel hmm. to be the next king, and that it was going to be God's way that would bring glory to God, not David's way. And David would say something. He would say, I, I can't lift my hand against God's anointed, not because Saul was doing all the things an anointed king should do, but because God had helped David, had transformed David's thinking that as difficult as his life was at that moment because of Saul, God had a purpose still for Saul. Hmm. And God has a has a purpose intended for David, and God's going to have his way. God's going to win. Hmm. And, and that, boy, it sure takes a lot of faith to come to that place. And, or maybe what it is, as we've seen in, this, in these other scriptures, it takes a lot of God's grace for us to get to that place where we can accept that which we cannot change without royally messing it up. Yeah, I I think I, I agree with you 100%. And, and also I would add this, you know, when when you're in, in a place where you are, you know, being treated unjust, you know, unjust, whether it's in your job, whether it's, you know, perhaps in a marriage, in a relationship, in a church, whatever, whatever that, that circumstance might be, you know, the temptation is always to take matters into your own hands, right? And a good friend of mine, um, a pastor friend of mine once said, and, and, and I'll remember this for the, for the rest of my life, he said that, that, that crucifixion is the only form of death you can't do to yourself, that somebody else has to put you there. Somebody else has to nail you. Somebody else has to put it into your feet. And he said the temptation will always be come down and save yourself. Right. And 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 I and I, I think there's something about when injustice takes place that self rises up and says, I, I need to vindicate myself. I need to stand up for myself. Right. I need to put stakes in the ground and, and let people know this is wrong. And, and here's the problem with that. When you look at how Jesus 
handle that. And we'll look at the end of that verse here in a second. Um, I think of Isaiah 53, 7, where it says that like a lamb led before the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. There is something powerful in how Jesus handled the ridicule of humanity when he could have blinked and wiped them out. There is something magnificently powerful about, about being nailed to a cross by your creation, opening not your mouth other than to look at those same people and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That that just cracks open the heart of the God seeker and just says, this is a different response or a different reaction. I think of Romans twelve nineteen, give place, or he says, uh, yeah, he says, give place to wrath for vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Do not become, do, do not be overcome by, by evil, but overcome evil with good. There is something different in the godly response um, when a person suffers wrongly. And you had mentioned earlier of this verse um, here, and, and, and maybe you can, you can talk about um, that verse 23 in, in, in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2. Yeah, it, just following up the thoughts that Peter shares with us in 20 and 21, 22 says, He, or excuse me, for to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example so that you might follow in his steps. So uh, the other way to, to endure suffering is to follow in the steps of Christ. Well, what were the steps of Christ? He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Mm. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, and this was the purpose of his suffering, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Mm. By his wounds you have been healed. So he goes through this process because God had a purpose. The purpose was that my sin would die, that I would die to my sins and I would live to Mm. righteousness. And this is not something that we accept when we say life is unfair. Why God? And we begin to to challenge God. We're not accepting by faith that part of what God is doing here is he's demonstrating grace through the suffering, because the ultimate grace is that Jesus died on the cross so that I might die to my sin and live to righteousness. That's right. You know, by his wounds, by the injustice that Jesus suffered, I can receive healing. Hmm. So, So intellectually, and, you know, I can say, well, theologically, that makes sense. But practically, I also have to, and I think I think everybody listening can relate, I have to address the pain. You know, what do I do about the pain? What do I do about the hurt in this situation? What do I do about, about this emotional reaction? Because we, we, can, we can react with anger. We can mm-hmm. react with hurt. We can react that we've been offended. Um, you know, that we see this injustice and somebody's got to do something to stop it. You know, this human reaction, you know, oh, what do I do with that? Well, look at Christ. I'm, hmm. What did he go through hmm. so that way we could be healed? I love, I love what he says here. Um, he says, but um, he said when he was reviled, he didn't revile. Um, in return, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, that, is a, that is a portion of our faith 
that God draws out through experience. And what I mean by that is as we experience God, as we have that, ex- that experiential relationship with him and we see his faithfulness, you had mentioned, what do I do with, with the emotional part? As I continue to entrust this to God over and over, and, and sometimes it's minute by minute, you know, it's not, it's not day by day, it's minute by minute. God, I'm, I'm filling right. up here. You know, I got to continually entrust it. And I love this part. To God who judges righteously. Jesus knew the Father was the only righteous judge. And here's the reality. My emotions are a terrible judge. Yes. They are a horrible judge. And I'll tell you what, most of the time, it, whatever portions of my emotions are right, there's always something that's foul inside of them. Right. And so I love what he says. He continued to entrust it to the Father who judges righteously because the Father's judgments are always righteous because he does not have carnal or sinful emotions, Keith. Wow, that is that is really heavy. I, I do think of Jesus in the garden before um, they came to arrest him and, and the anguish that he experienced over what was to come. He would say, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Like Jesus, from a human perspective, wrestled with the suffering that was that he was already beginning to endure. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets to the cross, he shouts those words of prophecy, you know, fulfilled uh, from, from the Psalms. He says, why have you forsaken me? Like Jesus identifies with the question of why do I have to go through with this? Why, mm-hmm. why do I have to endure with this? So when we're in our suffering and when we're asking the question, what am I supposed to do when life is unfair? And we look to Jesus, we're looking to God in the flesh who willfully, purposefully endured the same kind of pain and suffering that we have to experience. So that way, as the writer of Hebrews has said, we can have a, a high priest hmm. who is familiar with our sufferings, who's familiar right. with our temptations. That's right. Who knows what we've been through. Yep. And, and I'll tell you this, you know, when we, when we become so focused on ourselves and what we're going through and, oh my gosh, look at what's happening to me, I think that's a good time if we want to talk about unfairness, I think that's a good time to just kind of turn around and take a gaze at the cross and consider the unfairness that took place there. Consider the, the idea that, that, that God who, who, who knew knew no sin, came down and became sin for us. Think about the idea that that Jesus was beaten and mocked and spit upon and never did anything, Keith. I mean, you want to talk about being unfair, and he did it, as you had mentioned, he did it willingly. I mean— I, I I don't know about you, but but when I start looking at that, I just my, my problem just seems kind of like, well, what am, I'm not going to look at myself anymore. This is crazy, right? Look at what my God did for me, and so I think I think when we talk about being um, treated unfairly. Here's the reality. There was nothing in the history of humanity that was un, more unfair than what happened to Christ. Right. And so I, I think we need to probably take our eyes and, and, and change, the, change the focus a little bit. Yeah, I think one way that this conversation is helping me to see how to deal with suffering is to realize that we're not alone in it. Hmm. Christ has been through it. He understands. He, he sympathizes with our pain and our weakness. Um, we also see that God's got a bigger purpose, and he is working on a a purpose, and as hard as it is, maybe to accept intellectually by faith, we can say this is a this is a work of God's grace in my life right now, yep. taking me to a place that I would not otherwise go on my own. And I would add this in in in, in everything where we where we find ourselves suffering unjustly, I, w- I would I would add this. Remember, it was God 
who actually chose or volunteered Job. You know, as Satan went back and forth, to and fro throughout the whole earth, God came and he threw that name out on the docket and he said, have you considered Job? It's like, it's like Satan's purpose in that was to get him to curse his God. And, and, and God's purpose in it was to refine Job and to prove Mm. his faith. Mm. And I think the same thing happens to us when we suffer unjustly. God says, watch this, watch my kid. He is actually going to show you, show the world how genuine his faith is in the midst of the worst injustice that can be done to him. Wow, that's incredible. Again, 1 Peter 2.19 says, For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Definitely hard uh, (laughs) stuff to deal with, but thank God that he is working out his grace in our lives, even through the suffering. And if you're listening and you're suffering with something, we want to pray for you. Uh, Visit us, shoutsofgraceradio.com. And uh, you can get in touch with us there. We would love to hear from you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio. Practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson and Pastor Keith Radke. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's conversation encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. That's shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastors Steve and Keith. Shouts of Grace Radio is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church located in Eagle Mountain, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.